Hi, and welcome to the River of Light Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. To Acts chapter 14, put a bookmark there and then go over to Romans. I need you to go to two places this morning. Acts chapter 14, and then Romans chapter 8, a new series this month called Greater Than. I want to talk about faith this month. As I told you, my faith has been, has been charged and challenged and kind of like a freshness, and, and I want that to translate into the church. Jesus said if we had faith just the size of a mustard seed, we could speak to a mountain, and the mountain would be moved. The Bible teaches that our faith is supposed to be so great that it says we can even overcome the world. We have something, and that that means if you are a believer in Christ, you have something greater in you than is around you. So we need to be seeing more testimonies then, like I shared with you today. I want to see, I have an uncle that is battling for his life. He needs a miracle. I have another uncle that needs a miracle. I've got, how many have need a miracle in your family, in your situation? Look at that. Well, we serve a miracle work in God, and this book is filled with instructions of how to receive the miracle. And I've seen a miracle from my, from my, in my own eyes. How many has seen a miracle happen? Literal miracle. I'm talking. Amen. Amen. I'm a, I might share some of them myself that I've been blessed to see. My point is this. It shouldn't be rare. It should be rare when it don't work. The disciples couldn't cast the devil out of a boy one time, so they took Jesus to the side, and they said, tell us what went wrong. In other words, why didn't it work? And Jesus said, because of your faith. And besides, this one only can come out by prayer and fasting. See, there's an answer for everything. So there's where I want to go with it. But today, if we're going to talk about faith, we need to begin by talking about hope. Everybody say hope. Because the Bible tells us in in, uh, Hebrews 11.1, this is the definition of faith. Now faith is the substance of things, what? Hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Your faith should have an evidence. Your faith should have a substance. In other words, if you say, I believe in God... That's my faith. It, the Bible says there should be, we should see it. We should see something. But I want you to notice what's there of the things hoped for. In other words, hope is before faith. Before you have faith, you've got to have hope. That's why the enemy has done such a good job of robbing us of our hope. Well, I'm going to show you today. Here's the title of today's first message, and that is our hope is greater than your reality. I'm going, to, I'm going to show you that today. You in Romans? Scripture I've never heard preached. A very little short scripture. Verse 24, chapter 8. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. I love that. And he talks about how the Spirit of God helps us. But look at it again. We're saved in this hope. But this hope, hope that is seen is not really hope. If you if you're have hope in something that you can see, the Bible says it's not really hope. The Bible says you, uh, hope is being able to believe even though you can't see it. And if you have this kind of hope, it'll help you wait until it comes to pass. Father, thank you for your word today. Pray your blessing on us as we continue to dive into your word. I pray that miracles would be released. Faith for miracles would be released in this place, I pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Tell five people before you're seated, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. They say you can go 30 days without, without food. You can go, I think it's 50 days. I looked this up before. Without water. Some of you can't make it 30 minutes. Anyway, anyway. And, uh, I'm in that boat. Amen. Fasting is... Uh, you know, anyway, um, but they say you can, but you can only go, I think the record for holding your breath was like nine minutes or something like that. I remember when I was back getting in the scuba diving days, I had, the, I love scuba diving. I was got certified in 95 and we used to uh, try to train, uh, you got to stretch your lungs and for that whole thing. But uh, at one time I could hold my breath for five minutes and, uh, but it took a lot of work to do that. So they say you can go without food, water, and breath for a few minutes. But here's the thing. They say you cannot go one second without hope. That's how powerful hope is. And if you look through the word of God, I want you to write this down, that our imagination, our ability to imagine, our imagination is a gift from God. Our ability to imagine is a gift from God. What does this have to do with hope? It has everything to do with hope. Please hear me today. Hope is what you can't see in the natural. But if you can imagine it, it is directly connected to hope. If you can't imagine yourself being healed, you won't get healed. If you can't imagine your family in church, it won't happen. You have got to imagine it. And our ability to imagine, I'm telling you, is a gift from God. God has given us a gift to use our imagination. I'm going to show you this today. It's powerful. Jesus used uh, imagination. He ministered. How did he minister? He was a storyteller. He could have simply said, hey, love your neighbor and get over it. But he didn't. He said, the kingdom of God is like this. A man who sows a seed puts it into the ground. And he's teaching on the principle of reciprocity. And you forgive it to be forgiven unto you. He would tell stories. He was the greatest storyteller ever ever to live. He was the greatest storyteller ever. Audiences would be captivated by the way he would teach. And what was he doing? He was connecting the spiritual things with the natural things, and he did it through storytelling. Why? Because it forces you to use your imagination. That's why Jesus was the greatest preacher of all times. He He would tell these stories. The prophets in the Bible would use props They would use metaphors. David was in sin. He had an affair with a woman named Bathsheba, that horrible sin. And he was in denial that it wasn't really, really that bad. King David did that. So what did Nathan the prophet? Nathan the prophet came to him, and instead of saying, hey, man, what you did was wrong, he told this big, elaborate story. Remember that? Of the man with the little sheep, or the little, you know, the the family loved the little sheep and all of that. And he told that whole story. Got to go back and read it. And to bring David to a place to imagine what he would do to someone who did that to that little sheep. And then David said, you are that man, David. Once he had him in with his imagination in his mind. The prophet Ezekiel was taken to a valley of dry bones and God says, now use your imagination. Can you imagine these dead bones living and standing on their feet and being an army? You never read it like that, have you? That's exactly what he was doing. Prophet Elisha told the young king when he had an enemy with the Assyrians, he said, get a a handful of arrows, put them in your hand, and strike the ground with them. What does beating the ground have to do with 
success? What does a valley of dry bones have to do with anything in my situation? I'm telling you, if you get a hold of what I'm saying today, you'll see it makes perfect sense. So the man got the arrows and he beat the ground. He, he, he hit the ground three times, but the Bible says then he stopped. And the prophet said, why did you stop? Now you're only going to have victory for three years. But if you would have hit the ground five and six times, you would have victory for five and six years. Can I tell you today what limited him was his inability to imagine a better day. His inability to think one day that he could be healed. One day he can be healthy. One day he can be blessed. One day he can pray for somebody. It's Instead of always needing prayer. Come on, can you imagine with me today? Use that imagination. And imagination is a powerful gift that God has given us. He's given this to us when we were children. You remember being a kid? We would play with boxes. I, I literally would play with an empty box. My uncle got a new refrigerator and it was the happiest day of my life. We took the refrigerator outside and we, or the box outside and we carved a little door in it. We made shutters and windows. And, and how many ever played with a cardboard box? When you know that, that creativity, man, to just be able to use your imagination. Where did you get that from? You got it from God. Everything we see in nature, the Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of God. In other words, the beautiful waterfalls and the beautiful colors in a bird. I love Animal Planet. I love the Discovery Channel. How many's in that boat with me? You know what I'm talking about? I love it. When I look at it, the reason why I love that is because I say, look at God. Who could think? I mean, God has a sense of humor. Have you ever seen a, a zebra, a giraffe? You're laughing. Where'd you get that inability to from? That ability, I mean. Some of you have an inability to laugh. <laughs> Where did you get that ability? It's from your, your father. The Bible says we were created in God's image and likeness. Image was with our natural look. His likeness means his attitude and his character. But the world robs us of it. I has a whole bunch of statistics of children. Do you know toddlers spend two-thirds of their time in the imaginary world rather than the reality? And they often said, and, and this was the thing I was talking about earlier. I, I, was, I was a guy, I was a kid that was, very, I was a very rambunctious, active, hyper Kid, and I was actually kind of mean as a little kid. They always tell the story. My uncle Chuck was my favorite uncle. He always used to tell the story. The phone rang, and, and before we had cell phones, you had to go to a literal phone, and I uh, had a cord on it. Anyway, he, would, he beat me to the phone, and he answered. I got mad, and I kicked him right in the shin. Mean little kid. I was mean. One time, my, my moms uh, were new to the church, my mom and dad, and they had a friend from the church over to their house. And they were like having fellowship, like, oh, this is all cool, new Christian friends. And I'm in the backyard, and I beat up the little boy. I, we, he took my toy. He come in the house, and he's bleeding, and he's scratching. And my daddy said, <laughs> anyway. And uh, my mom would say, why are you like this? Why are you so mean? I go, I don't know. My, my, they have little, little report card. My mom saves everything. How many mamas save everything? You can go to my mom. My mama has all report cards from first grade. And they're all on there that say, he was a good child, Eddie James, anyway, is a good kid, but he uh, is always talking. He never sits in his seat. My point is this, I, was, I, was, I had creativity and I was, uh, used my imagination all the time, but I would never, I was always active. My mom and dad would make me sit. They would make me sit down and they would make me just stop and not play with these games. We only had Atari anyway. Okay, well, here's the good thing. I'm, getting, I'm going somewhere in a minute. 
It forced me to use my imagination. This study said that children who are forced to use their imagination actually strengthen self-control skills. What do we have a problem with in our culture? I think we need to do a better job, moms and dads, to just hey, have our kids sit. I know they hate it, but let them, let them use that creativity. Don't, don't let them lose it because you can lose it as life goes on. We begin to lose our ability to create and imagine. It's good stuff. But over life, life begins to rob us of it and begins to corrupt us even in our imagination. Do you know why God uh, flooded the earth in the very first place? You may say it's because of the wickedness that was on the world. It must have been because of the sexual immorality. I mean, it was all, all kind of crazy stuff was going on in Genesis. And uh, I would tell you, yeah, you're right. It was because of the violence. But I want you to see what the Bible actually says why he started over. What was the last straw? In Genesis 6, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that what? Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. In other words, God said, you know, the violence and all of this stuff, uh, I don't like it. But what really was the last straw is when people begin to use uh, their ability to imagine for a better day and their creativity, when that become perverted and polluted, God said, i got to start over because this group will never go further with anything positive in their life. In other words, I believe the enemy will try to get us so bogged down that he can even leave us alone because we're self-destruct. We won't come up. If you can't think of yourself being healed, as I said, being delivered, if he can't, you can't vision yourself being saved and being set free and no longer struggling with depression, no longer struggling with addiction, if you can, if you can see that, it can happen. But when you quit seeing yourself like that, hear me today, he's got you. I can anoint you with oil. I can pray all kinds of prayers over you, but if you're not able to look into your heart and do that and say, man, I believe it, then he's got you. That's what happened to Elijah. The Bible says Elijah was in a cave of depression and discouragement. And God said, what are you doing there, Elijah? And Elijah said, man, I'm no better than my father's. Just take my life. In other words, I can't see a happy day no more. Hear me today. I can't see this situation getting better. I can't see myself, I guess this is just the way it's going to be. I was raised in this city, and I was raised by this family, and I didn't have this, and I didn't have that, and I didn't have this, and so, oh, well, this is going to be me. Isn't that what the enemy tries to tell us? What did, and then God told Elijah, Elijah, he said, okay, Elijah, I'm done. It's time to take you home. Go and anoint Elisha and Jehu to take your place because you're done. Even the famous painter, Picasso, he said, it's not hard to become an artist, but it's hard to remain an artist when you grow up. Life has a way of bogging us down. I was reading these statistics about cell phones, how it's a real thing for people to go through uh, separation anxiety if we don't have our phones. 61% of people uh, say that they have a separation anxiety when they're not with their phones. They would check their phones 10 or 12 times within an hour and a half. That means during the course of this service, some of you would check your phones 10 to 12 times. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And I am just wondering if that is directly connected with our inability to be creative anymore. Because you're, we're always looking at other people's good ideas instead of ours. 
When's the last time you stopped and sat in silence and connected with God? David did. This is an old ancient technique called meditation. I know it's been blown out of proportion today with new age and that, but that's a biblical concept to get alone with you and God and use your imagination. And you'll be surprised. Your worship will go to another whole level if you use to engage your imagination and your thoughts with the living God. Help me today. It's quiet in this Baptist church. You hear what I'm saying? Our imagine our, our, our inability. If we can't imagine a better day, then the enemy's got us stuck. And I believe this is why we're not seeing the miracles and the things like we see in our life because we begin to just say, "Hey, I guess that's just the way it is." You know, I guess that's just the way it is, and we're just accepted and we move on. God is saying, "That's not the way. You don't don't take that. I didn't create you like that." Scriptures are filled with I, everything we have today started with someone imagining it. The chairs you're sitting on today. Someone got tired of sitting on logs and steps and said, I know, in my mind, they saw that chair first. I'm telling you, the phones. I was raised in church, and we weren't allowed to listen to certain music. And what used to drive me nuts is some of the church music began to sound just like the worldly music. And, and it was like, and, and I get it, and, but I'm like, hey, man, aren't we supposed to be different? Aren't we supposed to be creative? How come we're not leading in that area? Think about it. Thank God that we now have music that's topping the charts. You have people out there like Lauren Daigle that's taking it, taught her that God still removes stones. What's that song? I mean, it's making, it's making, I love it. Let the church, we're supposed to lead. We're supposed to want to have the good examples. We're supposed to want to have the creativity. Instead of just copying off what Pastor Steve has on today. What's he, what's he got? What's going on in this family on Facebook? What's this family doing? Put it down and connect with your living God. And say, God, inspire my mind. Inspire me today. Let me come up with that ideal at work that they can't solve in the boardroom. I need that raise. Come on, somebody. I can help build that building. <laughs> Hear me today. This is powerful stuff if we get a hold of it. But we just put it in neutral. And whatever happens going to happen. I don't do that dreaming stuff. You know how silly that prophet must have said for him to hit the ground with the arrows? What does arrows have to do with the miracle? Nothing, but it had everything to do with his imagination, unlocking his imagination so he can receive hope. Now faith can come in. How can you believe God for a miracle that you can't even see in your mind? Hear me today. It's what this word that God began to stir in my heart. Write this down. Our ability to imagine may be directly connected to our mission in life. I believe that. Our ability to imagine may be directly connected to our mission in life. You look at people in the Bible such as Abraham. I say it all the time. God brought Abraham out of his tent at night. And he said, Abraham, look up at the stars. And you see the multitude of the stars. He says, surely that will be like your descendants. He had no children at the time. And God said, Abraham, look at those, look look at the stars and imagine. What's he saying? Use your imagination that you're going to have children. Now, that was a blessing in those days. Amen. (laughs) God told me we were going to have no many kids. I'd be like, oh, God, you got another blessing in there? How many's with me on that one? He was saying, Pastor Eddie, how come we only had two girls? I said, that's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. They grow up and become teenagers. And in the animal kingdom, that's why they eat their young. I'm just saying, you, you, learn, 
You learn, you know, watch what you pray for. God, I want to be fruitful and multiply. Okay, I'm gonna, I ain't standing next to that brother. Amen. I don't want none of that. You hear with me this morning. It directly connected to our, listen to this. God said to Abraham, I want you to imagine the stars and your family. I'm going to make you great is what he was saying. Every night Abraham would get up and he would go out there and he'd look. And he would see that, those stars. And that is what kept him alive. Joseph was a dreamer. Read it. He was a dreamer. He went to prison for years for something he didn't do. And he was, it felt like he was abandoned by God. But he made it. Why? Because he kept his dream alive. And if you keep your dream alive, your dream will keep you alive. Did you hear me? If you can keep your dream alive, if you can keep it alive, it'll keep you alive. Joseph did, Abraham didn't give up until he saw his children. He didn't give up until he saw his children. I had a friend of mine that was come through the Life Challenge ministry, and he, he was single and, and coming out of a bad heroin addiction. He OD'd several times. They hit him in the chest with Narcan like 13 times. The paramedic said, I'm not even legally supposed to do that. She came back into the hospital and told him and said, you should be dead. She said, but I believe there's someone up there that has, has a plan for your life. I mean, And my friend said, oh, yeah. And he uh, gave his life to Jesus and I remember talking with him, and I said, what are you going to do now? He said, well, I got to get a, I said, I know I need to get a vision. I need to get a plan for my life. And I began to tell him, and I gave him this scripture. Put that Proverbs scripture up there. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where the, what's a vision? A vision is an ability to see something that hasn't happened yet. That scripture says, if you don't have one of those for yourself, don't have my vision, Tyler needs his vision. Miranda has to have her vision. You have to have your vision. You have to be able to see your, and I told my friend this, I said, you got to see yourself in church worshiping God. He goes, can I see a girlfriend in there with me? I said, baby, see a beautiful, make her hot. Come on, somebody. I said, it's okay. It's okay. God, good, hey, a good wife is, uh, is a blessing from the Lord. Who's going to imagine an ugly wife? I'm just saying. Who, if, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it right. Come on, single people. Be like, make it real. That's what I'm talking about. Woo. Twitter. He, my man's going to be. Okay. I said, man, I said, I said, I said Jeremy Pitcher. And, and you know what he told me? He said, Ed, she's got this color hair. Come on, somebody. He was detailed. I, and Can God use that? I said, yeah, absolutely. Last fall, I went down and married him and this beautiful worship leader of a church with brunette hair. Come on, somebody. I said, if you can envision it from God, don't get jealous. Get your own vision. That's what you do. Get your vision. When I was a youth pastor, I would tell him, write down who your husband wants to be. Everything from the color of his eyes and put a job in there because no woman wants to be broke. Come on, somebody. God gave Adam a job before he gave him a woman. I'm just saying it's right in Genesis. It's right there. But be detailed. Write it down. What does the Bible say in Habakkuk? Write the vision down and make it plain. So that those that see it, see what? It hasn't happened. See it in their mind. Yes. See it with their imagination that God has given us. Oh, this is so good. Help me. If, if you can get it then, they will run with it. They will run. And they will say, man, this is going to happen. And it failed. And it didn't work. When you try it again, Moses went out. He had a, he had, the Bible says it came into Moses' heart to deliver his people. He was a Jewish man and his Jewish family, his Jewish people were being oppressed by Egyptians. And Moses walked out of his house one day and he looked and he saw, he saw two 
uh, he saw it happen, and then he interrupted. He said, hey, man, leave, leave him alone. A guy got in a fight with Moses. Moses killed a guy and hit him in the dirt. He'd never get a job as a pastor today. This is your Bible. Watch what happens. And the word got out that he killed a man. The next day he went out and he saw two Jewish men fighting. And he goes, hey, man, you guys need to stop fighting. You're of the same flesh. And they go, what, are you going to kill me like you did that Egyptian? And Moses, the Bible says, he ran to the backside of the desert for 40 years. What was that whole story about? That's a perfect example of someone saying, I tried it and it didn't work. For 40 years, he learned to be content living in the backside of the uh, desert saying, I give up on my dreams, I give up, maybe God didn't call me to do that, maybe, you know, I'm unqualified, whatever. But the Bible says one day as he was walking, he saw a bush catch on fire. And the bush was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. And there's one little scripture that everybody misses in that story. But if we don't have this scripture, we won't have the story of Moses. Bible says Moses didn't just ignore it, but he stopped and he turned aside. And he says, I want to take a closer look at why this bush is burning. First way to get your imagination and your mind pure and start moving in your calling is to start being interested and start moving toward God. Start getting in your work. It's not going to just happen. Moses could have just stood there and go, oh, that's interesting. Wow. Instagram, burning on bush, whatever. He's like, no, no, hear me. He turned aside. He goes, man, I want to know more about this God. And as he got closer, what did God say? God said, Moses, take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground. He said, I'm going to use you to go into Egypt, and you're going to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I'm going to deliver all my Jewish people that's been there for 400 years, and you're going to be a great deliverer. I'm going to part the Red Sea. I'm going to cause manna fall down from heaven. I'm going to smite Pharaoh with Egypt with all of their plagues until they let my people go. What was he saying? He was saying, picture it, Moses. Moses said, I'm nothing. I failed. I messed up. God said, I want you to picture it in your mind, me using you. He says, what's in your hand? Man, this is good. He goes, what's in your hand? He goes, it's just a staff. He said, but when you give that staff to me, I'm going to use that very staff to deliver your people. What's the message? You may have something. You're sitting in these pews, and you're hearing me talk about all this stuff, and you're going, I don't have nothing that God can use. I'm telling you, yes, you do. What's in your hand? All I have is a testimony. All I have is a story of what I did, a bunch of mistakes. Then you got a powerful testimony that God can use to help others come out of a situation that you're in right now. Well, i got a broken marriage. I've been married four times. I know the Bible says Jesus went all the way out of his way for one woman who was married five times. And he said, hey, I'm going to give you beauty for ashes. I still can use you, woman. And the Bible said that was the longest story we have in the Bible of Jesus talking with somebody, by the way. And it was to a woman who we don't even have her name trying to do more than just inspire you today, church. I'm trying to get us into the boat to start believing and dreaming again. This building is going to get built, but it ain't going to get built until we can see it first in here. We're not going to arise and shine. I'm going to quit saying it like that. We are going to arise and shine because I'm going to do it. If you want to join with me, I need you to jump in there with me and say, I'm with you, Pastor Eddie. I I need to get in there, and I need to make a difference in this city. Come on. Because as we do this together, the glory begins to spread. That blessing begins to spread on all of our families, on all of our ministries. I love that my daughters and my family's sitting here. They went to college in Florida. I didn't know where they were going to end up. I was praying, God, send them to Michigan. 
But I told them, girls, you're going to go wherever God calls you. Thank God they're here and they're serving God. But I know many of you don't have your kids even in the house of God and it grieves your heart. I'm telling you, it grieves God's heart too. What he wants you to do is dream again. Picture them in the house of God. Picture. I know you've done it before and it didn't work. Maybe they came and they backslid. Don't give up on your dreams, I'm telling you. It can happen again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It can be connected directly to your ministry. One of the greatest evangelists in the Bible or in our history, in our history was Amy McPherson. This woman was, was a woman, and in the early 1930s, she pastored a church uh, in California. She was an evangelist. They wouldn't give her the pastor title because she was female. But she was one of the most brilliant, creative women and revivalists that we ever saw. She invited the whole uh, Los Angeles Police Department and Fire Department to her church. Hundreds of them came. She drove her Harley Davidson down the center of the church. Did you hear what I said? She got suited up in a full police costume, and she got on a Harley and come, right? This is 1930. Driving down the center of the church, loud. People going, what's going on? You know, she's coming right down the middle. She turned, got off of it, blew a whistle, and, st- and said, stop or you're all going to go to hell. <laughs> it's Amy McPherson. She was no joke. She's no joke. She was the mother of the Foursquare Church. What happened? These grown men and women stood up on their feet and said, I don't understand everything you're all about, and I don't agree with everything, but I know this woman's got something that I want. They came down to the front of the church, and they surrendered their life to Jesus, and we saw one of the greatest revivals in California through the Azusa Street Revival with her uh, coming out of that revival. Isn't that awesome? Who's going to bring your mortis? I go to church next week. Do you hear what I'm saying, though? Do you get my message today? Abraham, Joseph, all through the word of God were people that dreamed and had dreams. I said all that to say this. The last point, this is where I want to, that was just my introduction. Our ability to imagine is connected to our miracle. Go to Acts, and I'll begin to close. Acts 14. Acts 14, I want you to see this in your Bible. This is how we get miracles. This is, this is how you learn as you look into the Bible and you find yourself. If you need a miracle, you're looking, I'm studying the Bible, I'm trying to find this out. The ability to imagine, our ability to be creative and to imagine is directly linked to miracles. In Acts chapter 14, we have Paul the Apostle in verse 8. He's in the city of Lystra. And it says this, and in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, crippled from his mother womb, who had never walked. So Peter's, uh, Paul is outside preaching, and he's got all these people that are standing by there. And Luke, who wrote this, who was also a physician, that's why I love reading Luke, the book of Luke and Acts, because he always adds details that the other guys miss, because he's a physician. For instance, Luke tells us that the man had the withered hand. He'll tell us it was the right hand. He was a doctor. He would look. He would use the gift that God's given him to become one of the greatest writers of the Bible. He's more detailed. He was writing to the Gentile people, not to the Jewish people. So Luke makes a lot of the Jewish people mad because he includes the parables Jesus taught about the Samaritans, how Jesus always made the Samaritans the star of the show, the good Samaritan. Matthew don't write that because he's writing it to Jewish people and they, to 
offended. Luke comes right out and says it. Luke chapter 10. The star of the show was a Samaritan. You learn something every day, don't you? And then he says, so Luke lets us know that, hey, he's not just crippled. This man has never walked. He's never gotten up and ran and felt the wind blowing in his face. He, not, he never got to do that. He ne- never got to do a foot race. Think about this. He never got to do any of that. This man was crippled his whole life. And he's sitting there. But this man, in verse 9, this man heard Paul speaking. And Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. I underline that. He seen, he seen that he had faith. He didn't hear he had faith. Get this. He saw that he had faith to be healed. He said to him with a loud voice, stand up on your feet. Notice he didn't go, oh, Lord, if it's your will, and this man to pray, if it is your will. That's how we pray. That's how I've prayed. And there are times when you've got to pray, God, your will be done. I say your will be done. But you'll find when people were filled with the faith and filled with the Holy Spirit, they didn't just ask, they commanded. You'll find it. Look for it. Prove me wrong. Peter went to the house where a woman named Tabitha was sick. He walked into the room. There were people there. He made everybody get out of the room. Sometimes you've got to get people who don't believe like you out of the room if you're waiting on a miracle. Because while you're waiting on a miracle, they're sitting next to you. It ain't going to work. How long have you been praying for that? You hear my little voice? How many know some people like that right now? You're going, yeah, that, sounds, that looks just like him. Keep going. Look over here because he's sitting right here. <laughs> Everybody that got a miracle, you'll find it in your Bible. They would clear the room. The prophet Elijah told the one woman that when she goes and gets her miracle, take everyone out of the house. Jesus did that when he raised a little girl from the dead. He walked up and they were weeping and crying. And he said, everybody out of the house but me and this little girl. When he went to Lazarus, by the way, between services, Frank told me that, you know what the kids are learning this month? Hope. Don't you love when God does that? So our kids are learning exactly what we're learning. So you guys have a lot to talk about on the way home from church today. Seriously, stir up your kids. Say, hey, man, what you, would you learn down there? Frank, you better have brought it today. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll find it. You'll find that when people got miracles that you, they had to get out of the room. If you're wanting to get a miracle from God, and if you're wanting to grow and you're wanting to get ahead of God, you've got to kind of let some of these deadbeats go. I mean, I don't know what another name. Doubt peddlers. Yeah. One pastor told me, he said, Eddie, if your church is growing like that, you would rather have dope peddlers than doubt peddlers. He says, you can put up with those doing dope and partying and living out here, coming in here all hungover, just pray for them. But you got those ones that are supposed to be saved, and they're coming to these little meetings, and they're putting in a little soul of discourse, talking about, why ain't he sing that song? Why can't I get at this? Why can't my kids get it? Did you notice that they said this? Who's they anyway? We're supposed to be one body in the body of Christ. I'm trying to help us today. I'm going to listen to this podcast today. This is how you get your miracle. You got to let them go say, I love you, brother. But hey, man, you got to get off my boat. Remember Jonah? Can I preach to you? There's a story of Jonah. Jonah got on the boat in a big storm, and everybody on the boat was in the middle of the storm. And they're like, hey, man, what's going on? And Jonah spoke up, and he said, it's because of me. And uh, they looked at Jonah, and they said, well, what are you going to do? Jonah said, the only way to get rid of this storm is get rid of me, and that's throw me off the boat. 
Your Bible says they picked that man up and threw him off the boat. That's a revelation. Some of y'all need to grab a hold of that nappy back of his head and say, hey. Now, if it's your children, we don't do that, okay? You know what I'm talking about? You need to get a hold of them and say, get off my boat. Get out of my boat. This is a new year. We're still in April. This is still a new year. Come on. Are you still falling in that same pattern as you did last year? Come on. Who's fought? It ain't the Word. It ain't God. It ain't the Holy Spirit because it's thriving through here. Who it is? What, what is going on? It's, it's, maybe it's us. I think Michael Jackson, the prophet, said it best. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That... Is that in the Bible? James says a man looks into the mirror. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Don't mess with me today. I said, don't mess with me today. I got this. Man, I've been wanting to preach this for two weeks. I'm telling you, I love that, man, I've been using my mind for years, and finally I know it's a, God, it's a gift from God, so hallelujah. I use my imagination. I, this is where it comes from. But the Bible does teach that our biggest problem is the man in the mirror. It's us. It's our unbelief. It's our mind. Well, I want to unlock that today. I want the word to unlock that today and get you to get along with God and begin to speak to God and say, God, what do you want to do in my life? Why am I on planet Earth? Why am I here and if he's given you a gift and an ability to do something, then, and if it ain't working, it ain't flowing, it's not God's fault. Get back in there and let God do it. And the Bible says that this story right here says that Paul seen that the man had faith. He's, he didn't hear him. He saw him. What was he doing? He was doing something that indicated that he had faith. He was using his imagination. Read it. That's what it says. Paul stopped his preaching. Everybody else was listening, which is not wrong. But this man, I believe he's a grown man. I believe he was sitting over on his knees. And in those days, the Romans made you wear a certain jacket if you were a beggar. That's why the Bible says blind Bartimaeus threw off his garment. That was a garment that was issued by the Roman providence. You could not ask for alms unless you were authorized by their government. He was there crippled. And everyone knew he was crippled. Everyone knew that he was not going nowhere in life. But one day Paul came in there. One day he heard a message that gave him hope. And somehow in there, the Bible says Paul saw that he was, had faith. I believe he was just doing this while everyone else was talking. I believe he was using his imagination and just saying, oh, I can do this. He didn't care who was around him. Paul stopped his whole sermon and said, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't even have his whole history. He just, you. And I'm praying right now, God's looking down in Belleville, and he's going, you. Those that have faith. Others, he's not going to say you. Paul didn't call the whole group. He didn't say this whole group and take his jacket off and everybody fall down. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that. But, um. Because we get so messed up with faith. Did you see Jesus doing that? Peter doing it? No, no. They, they operated by faith. If I had 20 minutes, I'd go 20 more minutes with this. Hear me. He says, you with faith, stand up on your feet. And the Bible says he stood up on his feet for the first time in his whole life. And the whole crowd went crazy. 
the whole crowd begin to try to worship and kill a, a, a sacrifice an animal to Paul and Barnabas. Read the story. They thought he was Zeus because they were in the Greek mythology. And Paul was like, well, ain't none of that happening. He stopped the whole crowd. And he, what did he say? He says, this man is healed today because of his faith in Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you this morning that you've got to use that imagination. This scripture right here, last scripture, and then we're going to really close. Is my favorite scripture, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all what we can ever ask or imagine. Look at that. He says, this scripture says, God is, now to him who is able to do all that you ask, even according, even with your, what you can imagine, to, according to the power that worketh in you. I'm here to tell you that God can bring a healing. I don't care what the doctor said. He can heal you. I don't care what, what you're going through. He's still a deliverer. He's still a healer. He can still save you. He can still save your family. He can give you a breakthrough. He is still the same God of yesterday, today, and forever. If you can believe it, if you can dream it, if you can imagine it and say, it's going to happen to me. Come on, stand up. Stand up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This is hope. See, that man's hope became greater than his reality. Are you in a reality right now that isn't very good? If I can get you, if God can get you to use your imagination and see yourself free. I told my friend, I said, see yourself, Mary. I said, Jer Mary, Jeremy, and also see yourself clean and sober. I go down to life challenge. I tell him, you know, you're not a recovering anything. I'm not a recovering anything. I've been 21 years clean and sober, and I've been loving it. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you want to count your days. I understand that. You can go right ahead. But you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. I had to relearn how to have fun again. Everything I did always revolved around drugs or some kind of substance. I had to learn to hang out with friends and, and party and not have to get high and, and turn into this and turn into that. And the police coming at the end of the night. I had to learn how it was to drive and let a cop get behind me. My heart don't sink. It felt so good to get all my warrants taken care of and be clean and sober and be able to live life. Some of you may not be able to relate to that, I know, but that's just me. What am I saying? I'm saying start imagining yourself living this life, raising your kids, having a family. Well, I didn't do good with my kids. Well, you're going to do good with your grandkids. You're going to do good this time around. But you got to imagine it. It's not this power of the mind. It's, it's power of, the, of when we use our mind the way God tells us to do it. That's what God gave you that imagination for. He let the life just bog you down. Well, I believe it's shifting today. I believe it's changing today. I believe it's turning today. I want to pray over everyone in this room, but I want to pray over those that have faith. If you're in this room and you're needing a miracle and you have want to respond to this message, I want you to come up and fill the front of this altar space right here. And if, if not, then maybe next week you'll get filled. Maybe the week after that. Well, I'm going to talk about faith all month. Maybe Easter will be your day. But if you're stirred right now and you've got a dream and a hope and something you're believing God for and you believe it can happen, I want you to step out of your seat. Come up here. Fill up the front of this place. And I'm going to pray over you that you're going to begin to be inspired and use your imagination again. Use your mind again. Begin to believe that God's not done with you. Greater days are yet to come. It's got to be in you before God can bring you to it. I'm going to pray over you today. Come on, come on. Make room, make room. Come on up. There's room right here. There's room right here. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord when you get up here. It's between you and God. You and God. Just close your mind. And
begin, I want you to begin to just imagine. First, I want you to bring that issue up in your mind right now. Go ahead. Everybody just that's up here for prayer. Close your eyes. Lift your hands to the Lord. I want you to bring that situation up. It could be a family situation, anything. Bring it up right now. God already knows. Bring it up to him right now in your mind. It's awful. I know. It's horrible. It's a diagnosis. It's this. It's them. I'm telling you how you're going to get a miracle. This works. Bring it up before God right now, right where it's at. Just the way it is. Don't deny it. I'm in denial. You know, Abraham knew he was old. Bring it up before God. I want to ask if I got some altar workers to come and try to stand and behind some of these guys. And I want to have you pray for some of them, for all of them, as they will, as they make their way up. Amen. Amen. Now, once it's up there in your mind, I'm going to pray right now in Jesus' name. He's going to give you the thought and the imagination and the ability to look past it and you're going to see it. Can these dead bones live again? Ezekiel was like, nope, I'm not sure. By the end of that encounter, he said yes. And that's what my goal is this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, the enemy has attacked every single one of us up here. Every single person up here has been attacked and facing something that's bad there's a mountain there God but Father right now in the name of Jesus I pray for mountain moving faith God to begin to come into every man every woman, every boy, every child that's up here in this room right now God that you would unlock that imagination you would unlock that dreams that they have, that hope can come back in, they're going to live and not die You're going to see and rejoice in the land of the living and not the dead. They're going to be saved. They're going to be free. They're going to be loose. It's going to work. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.